I have been looking at Luke lately, just getting started into Luke again. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 68. This is uh, Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, at uh, John the Baptist's birth. But the part that we're going to be looking at is not about John the Baptist. It's about the one that John the Baptist came to uh, be a forerunner for. Zacharias is giving this prophecy. He says, blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And what caught my eye, the, the phrase that caught my eye was that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him. Does that sound familiar at all? Where would you find such a thing in scripture over and over again, seven times? Exodus chapter four, verses 22 and 23. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. And he, we, we can find that in various places. Chapter seven, verse 16. And you shall say to him, the Lord, the God, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me. 8.1, the Lord spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Seven times Moses is sent to Pharaoh with that message. Let my people go that they may serve me. And that just popped into my head when I read that uh, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. So I got to looking at service because of that and trying to find out how many times it's related to being delivered and serving. And I didn't find a whole lot of those, but if you still had a finger in Luke, um, Luke chapter 4, verse 38. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever. She was delivered from the fever. It left her, and immediately she arose and served them. Romans chapter 7, I guess. What verse we're reading from there? Romans 7, 6. But now we have been delivered from the law. I found that interesting that when Moses went and spoke to get the Israelites delivered from Egypt, they were delivered from their enemies and went out and got the law after they got out. But when you get to Romans, it is the law from which we need to be delivered. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in newness of the spirit, not oldness of the letter. 
So there is something to being delivered in order to serve. And I'm just thinking, we're not delivered. He didn't free us so that we could go do what we feel like. He freed us from our enemies, from sin, and from the law. He freed us in order that we would serve. The, the word serve in the, in the Old Testament would be primarily abad. It's a primitive root and it's to work in any sense. By implication, it is to serve. It also can be translated on occasion to worship, serve the Lord. And in the New Testament, there are three different words that are used primarily for service. Watria, ministration of God, that is worship, divine service. Duluo, to be a slave. And diakoneo, to serve as a serving tables, waiting on someone. Those are used variously. But the the one in in the Hebrew covers basically all of those things. It's any kind of service, any kind of work. I didn't look to see if good works would be covered by that or not. It just dawns on me that that would be a possibility. I'd like to go to Colossians. I'll finish up there. Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So, none of us are slaves, but we are, most of us, employees somewhere, working for somebody. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men. So that covers whatever you do, whatever you do. And that there are two different words for do used there. Surprised to find out. One of them is any anything that you might do, and the other one is more energetic. And then on top of the more energetic do, it says do it energetically with a full heart. Put your heart into it as to the Lord. So that brings it back to service, service to the Lord. So my service to my employer, if my heart is in the right place, I'm doing it not for my employer, but I'm doing it as unto the Lord, which would give me a witness and a testimony. That was part of the reason for Israel being called out of Egypt was so that they would serve the Lord and they would be a witness and a testimony to the nations around. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Guess what? He's talking to the slaves here. Slaves don't get an inheritance from their earthly master, but their heavenly master is telling them here, serve your earthly master and your heavenly master will reward you with the reward of the inheritance. Why? Because you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for the wrong which he has done. And that's primarily directed to the servants, the slaves. If you do the wrong thing, you will receive for the wrong you've done. But he tags something on there and there is no partiality. So it's not just to them. He's talking to the masters as well. And he goes on in chapter four. Masters, give to your servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. You know, in the Roman Empire, 
slaves were chattel and there was absolutely no concept of doing justice to your slave. He's just a slave. You don't think about justice for your mule, get work out of the mule. But here he says, masters, give your servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. You are serving a master as well. So whatever our position in life, whether we are working under somebody else, over someone else, or whether we are, we have people over us and people under us, we got to keep this in mind. These guys, the, the slaves that he's talking to, they didn't have the opportunity to say, go out and, and preach or go out and do a lot of other things. They weren't masters over their own time. They had to do what they were told, but how they did it is what would be a witness and a testimony to their, and God says here, if you're the master, you also got to keep in mind that you have a map. Wherever we are on the, on the rungs of the ladder, we are to be a testimony and a witness by how we serve. And we are to serve in that Old Testament sense of worship as well. Father, we ask that you would help us in our lives, that we would recognize that we serve you, that we would worship you, and that we would work for you as well. That we would do things for the people over us here in such a way that we would be a witness and a testimony when we're over someone else. That you would cause us to be a witness and a testimony to them of kindness, treating them as you have treated us.